A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Hey, it's Andy. This is David. Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Logan. So today we are reviewing episode 14 of season 2, Innocence. Uh, it was written and directed by Joss Whedon, and the original air date was January 20th, 1998, which is uh, kind of funny because with all of the uh, breaks and hiatuses we've had in recording and posting this show, we are actually recording this actually on January 20th, 20 years later. So wow. it's the anniversary of this episode, and also that means happy 20th anniversary to Dawson's Creek, which premiered right after Oh my this god! <laughs> oh yeah! Sorry, it's right after I've never yeah. seen an episode of that show ever, so Oh, that show was my crack back in the day, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, but not in a good way, in like a... <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like I watched it because it's on after yeah. Buffy. Yeah, but I mean, I remember that very clearly that they did the two-day event and they were really hyping up the, the creek coming on. So Yep. But yeah, the, so, creek. yeah. the creek. <laughs> so this episode starts with one of the most iconic and holy shit openings of Buffy. Oh my god, I know. Um, and I am immediately going to be like, you know what? Let me fight you. Because I get the visual appeal. It looks great. But I'm really miffed at the anatomical impossibility. I have that note. You can hear him drinking. What is he doing? You beat me to it. (laughs) He's just a sloppy eater. Where'd the smoke come from? From the- He's drinking her blood, and then he exhales her smoke. How? Yeah. You know, the only people who can swallow and breathe at the same time are babies. And I know Angel's a baby, not a little infant. Well, he's, he's, a, he's a metaphorical baby, not a literal baby. I literally so. have it in all caps. So it's like, how does the smoking thing work? Where does yeah. it bite? Yeah, that, that, it. it doesn't work. But it looks great. It's the it looks so cool. cool because I mean it's yeah it's fucking it's beautiful for school. It's the yeah. magic of television. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fun piece piece of trivia: Angel kind of did get a chance to kill Buffy because that is Sophia Crawford, who is Buffy's stunt double. Double. Ah. We love Sophia Crawford. And just um random little note: later when Angel goes to um. Spike and Drusilla's, and he's you know like lighting the the match on the table, and he's going to smoke. And I was thinking, I was like, Angela stole that woman's cigarettes. <laughs> he's bad. He's bad, he's bad news, to the bone. MC. He'll <laughs> kill you bad. and steal your shit. <laughs> and of course, this again brings us back to Prophecy Girl, where he has no breath. <laughs> oh, that's that's a problem to this entire freaking. Yes, I know. Series, I just I just I wanted to make sure we weren't forgetting about that. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> no. 
nope. I'll, 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 I'll shit all over that theory or hypothesis <laughs> or world building when we get to um, when Glory beats the shit out of Spike in season five and she tries to drown him like a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that happens in season seven too, where first Drusilla tries to drown, keeps dunking his head into the water. Oh, the- it's in season seven. Huh. And you're like, how are you? Oh, how Drusilla is that? first evil? Right. Yeah, Drusilla first evil. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Keeps yeah, dunking yeah. Spike's head in water. Oh. That's mm. right. That's 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 that. I'm 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 confusing him getting the shit kick out of him by by glory. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she tries to drown him when she tortures him to find the key. Regardless and irrelevant. Yeah. Um. So anybody? I, but I it's have still this... a really badass image. I'm sorry. It True. Really yeah. Is, yeah. True. Um. Yeah. It was seriously holy. Holy shit! What's happening? I don't understand. Like, what is this? And then we get to Buffy doing the walk of shame, going home. And that brings me to what I feel is the theme with so much of their relationship and especially this thing is this notion that women especially take agency of their own body and choose to have sex. Bad things happen. Yeah. Yep. The man she loves literally turns into a demon mm-hmm. and tortures her and kills people she cares about. And I mean, I don't think it's unfair to say that the notion of sex being dangerous is in something that pops up throughout Whedon's oh, body of definitely. work. Yeah. I mean, you look at Kendra, I mean, Ken, Kendra, <laughs> Kennedy and, 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 and Willow in, um, season seven mm. and most of dollhouse. Yeah. Well, I and also the only part of the commentary I, I looked up cause I like kind of read a transcript cause I would want to listen mm-hmm. to the whole commentary is Joss is so proud of himself yes. for subverting the horror trope about women dying after sex. And he's like, I just didn't think it was fair that women always die after sex and horror. So I don't make sure that my heroine gets to have sex and live. Look at how positive that is. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. He makes I a thing of that you. in the commentary and it is just uh-huh. like, really? Uh, yeah. She lives, but I'm going to break her emotionally. Right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I read somewhere that he was saying that part of this whole thing was that, you know, oh, it's all like, you know, young women's like anxiety about sex and, you know, that bad things are going to happen. So that's why we did it. And I'm like, yeah, oh, but you you're not assuring them that this yeah. doesn't happen. You're just like making it worse. But if that was your point, which is ridiculous. Yeah, well, I mean, like this whole ep- this whole storyline is predicated on the metaphor as the supernatural is high school and angel turning into a demon is supposed to be angel turning into a bad boyfriend. Who's going to dump her after they have sex. And it is just reinforcing a lot of fears of women, you know, actually exploring their sexuality. And also, I mean, it it will come up later on that scene where Angelus is trying to be angel and you know mocking buffy and it kind of becomes the same thing like we that happened in like ted and reptile boy where you're throwing in the actual thing that you're trying to make a metaphor of and that's ruining the metaphor yeah right Mm -hmm. and 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 we've had enough of like bad abusive boyfriends slash partners in this show we don't need more i mean he's really good at it i mean i think that david boris was having a, a grand old time doing it it's effective mm. but it's shitty so yeah yeah so I, I will say in terms of historical context sex and death through the like 80s and through the 90s were very very much linked 
mm-hmm. because of the AIDS crisis. Yeah. So there was a lot of, and there was a lot of stuff out there, even in comprehensive sex education and even from, you know, parents that were trying to do the best. It's like, if you have sex, you could die. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was the entire message of sex in the 80s and 90s is you do it and you're going to die. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I was going to say, just the horror trope, even like pre-AIDS stuff. Like if you look at early, like early 80s movies before it was, before AIDS was seen as anything in the heterosexual realm. I mean, you look at like Friday the 13th, it was always like the, you know, if you lose your virginity, you're immediately going to be chased after by the serial killer and die. Oh yeah, for sure. And then it got worse later, but yeah, I, so I I agree, but it's just like, it was there even before and this just makes it worse. So. I'd like to think that Whedon was being that thoughtful and trying to incorporate that notion of, of, you know, the fear that the AIDS crisis um, sort of brought about especially within the lgbtqa community but um well i suppose regardless um but uh I, I, it's just because he tried to subvert a trope and in the process just oh, oh yeah i mean i'm i'm not talking about him making specific kind of mm-hmm. specific point it, it, it's just that that societal attitude became incredibly ingrained into all of us and joss is a little older than me Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's close to my age, I think. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 you know, Jan and and David's age, I think. Yeah, um, about but yeah. but it did become sort of ingrained in the conversation about sex in that time period. And I am not making excuses for Joss Whedon because no, I don't think his are. whole I'm subverting the trope. I'm like, yeah, but you're doing it badly. Yeah, and and there's just there's so much, um, especially when it comes to him and it comes to young women. It's still such a huge part of our culture and na- cultural narrative, this notion of sex and punishment mm-hmm. and not in a sexy way or a consensual way, but like in a, um, damned if you do, damned if you don't way, the impossible standards that women are held to. And we, and I think that ties really well into what we discussed last week about Angel's obsession with the, the virgin and the whore. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, um, women can't be too prudish or they're, or they can't be too like restrained or they're prudish or they can't be too, um, open or they're, or they're loose or things like that. So, um, it just, I don't know. It seems like Buffy makes this choice to do something she wants for herself and she gets punished because of it. If you look at the characters on Buffy and on Angel who are, you know, coded as promiscuous characters, you know, you have like your faith and I mean, even Cordelia to an extent, they tend to be characters that are more antagonistic. Uh, and like, while they do have characters that have, um, healthy sexual relationships, they're always healthy monogamous relationships. There's never anybody who's just allowed to have casual sex. Even the next time Buffy, you know, has sex, it's with Parker and she's just wanting to have fun and in the moment and she gets terribly punished for it. She spends like the next three episodes brooding about the fact that he didn't want to be with her. Um, and doesn't Willow get punished also in, in, Wild at Heart or whatever, too. Um, you know, or, Willow is one of the ones that doesn't end up punished. She actually ends up going on to have a... And it's monogamous, yeah. right? Sexual, yeah. a very meaningful sexual relationship with Oz and then Tara. Well, okay, the Tara stuff, she does get punished because they have sex before Tara dies, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. But with Willow and Oz, they actually have a positive... We were talking about this last episode. 
they have you see the progression of their relationship both emotionally and physically Mm -hmm. and there's no real punishment for her losing her virginity to oz and they actually talk about it a lot which again will be something when we get to yeah i mean that that stuff is kind of fuzzy in terms of timing so i was just like thinking was like what happened in wild at heart but we're we're jumping ahead one of the things that struck me is um i believe joss talked about this in the commentary when it came to recording the adr for the love scene (laughs) and joss and the sound director did it because he was too too embarrassed to ask uh david and sarah to do it and i'm just like okay if you're too embarrassed to talk about it you're not mature enough to write about this right i i watched the little snippet they have it was like his little interview about surprise and innocence and it's only like four minutes long where he talks about like how uncomfortable he was shooting his first sex scene and how much of like david and sarah were just total pros about it Mm -hmm. we're like where do you want me to put my hand is this look the way you want do i need to get in another angle so he was the one uncomfortable with it and the other you know the two actors who are the ones you protect when you're doing a sex scene like that is what you always do is protect your actor they were the ones that were being professional Mm -hmm. and he was not get over your sexuality (laughs) hang-ups and and considering how old I know I was it's like you know he was about 35 at the time yeah. give or take so it's like you know he wasn't like 20 it wasn't like a first directing job or something so Joss get over it so yeah um just to move on because I'm sure we will talk more about yeah sexuality through this um Buffy doesn't check in with Giles at all and I mean I know she was like really horned up because you know danger but come on like this is like a Apoc- they actually say that he's going to bring Armageddon and Buffy doesn't bother right. to check in and be like, by the way, the judge is around. We know Angel has a fucking phone. <laughs> and also, That's true, like, he's called Josh. Yeah, Angel on disappears the in the they middle of him. the night and Buffy, like, I guess sleeps through the entire thing. Yeah, she must be a really heavy sleeper because yeah. I'd be like, where the fuck are you going? Like, I don't, I, which, I, this has always sort of been this, like, it's always been really unclear and is it and i don't know if it's because they just didn't um sort of expand the mythos enough to make this abundantly clear but when it comes to the moment of true happiness it bums me out that on the surface it's like orgasm yes. right because i, I feel notes. like if you dig deeper it's like a moment where angel isn't punishing himself because he's completely lost in this mm-hmm. but that suggests that he never masturbates <laughs> or like i can see him not having sex at well, all that that scans with his personality if we look at um taking an angel into account in this angel has sex three times on angel without losing his soul one time because he right. says it's the moment of perfect despair one time it's because he's under a spell and the other time it's because uh, i don't want andy <laughs> So, thinking about the show Angel, this whole sex, I mean, I get it, it's the moment he lets go, feels no guilt, the thing with Buffy, but I was always really surprised when he didn't lose his soul again. There are a couple of scenes in Angel where him and Cordy and Connor, baby Connor, are so relaxed and so happy and he's so content in those moments with his son that he didn't go bad from that perfect happiness. That seems more like perfect happiness for me for Angel than it does having sex with Buffy. Well, yes. Um, and I mean, yeah. like, they do give him, like, a moment of perfect perfect happiness on Angel when they have him 
when they do the soul transfer. And again, they make it like a whole sex thing because they make Angel have like the Indiana Jones fantasy. Uh, and um, yeah, he, he like goes into a dream and they like figure out a way to kill the beast and he makes up with Connor right, and he yeah, makes up yeah. with Wesley and then he and Cordelia hook up and they have like this big love scene. And at the very end of it, he says Buffy and Buffy. then it turns out that he loses his soul. So, I mean, they still fucking make it about sex. Um, they do. That that has really always bothered me is the, the, the emphasis on the sex. Yeah. And, and the curse. It's just, I, makes me incredibly uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable philosophically. And it goes back to what we were saying last episode about penis and vagina freaking sex is the only way to achieve true intimacy and happiness because it sure as fucking isn't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, And and not just because, and for me, it's not just like a philosophical or ethical thing. It's also just a really poorly designed curse. Yeah. So, oh, oh, the curse yeah. itself is terrible. No, I, I, my note here is, you know, because uh, Enyus at some point says, it is not justice we serve, it is vengeance. And my that note is, good, yeah, David. either way, this is a really yeah. stupid way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can you do the rest of the podcast in that voice? It's like, so you take his soul away, so he's just going to become a, a, a serial killer again. Yeah, that's really smart. <laughs> Giving giving him his soul was punishment enough. Like he's super into self flagellation. So, oh yeah, David Boreanaz, um, thousand percent more interesting. Just like in his first oh, he's scene. A, oh, oh yeah. Once the leather pants come on screen, I'm like, I'm in. I mean, he's not like, he's not even put on the eyeliner yet. <laughs> which he'll do that in the next couple episodes, and then I'm just like, hello. I know. Yeah, this was the one season where I was like, all right, shut up, angels. Yeah, and yeah. I think just when he becomes angel, I, th- I think Boreanaz is enjoying doing something, like, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I just like the snark. I mean, he's really good and really, like, not that I go for the bad boy trope normally, but, like, Angels is just, like, way more sexy than Angel. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> David Boreanaz is just really uncomfortable being, like, this romantic lead you know knight in shining yeah. armor because you see him and he's just reveling and being evil and then when you when he goes over onto angel and angel is allowed to develop a personality and he's really fucking goofy on his own show oh my god angel yeah. is such a goofball I and i love that about angel and they I did do. the same thing on bones where he's you know like a lot more roguish and he's really good on that yeah, he is better as, like, a roguishly, like, I mean, and his character on Bones is a really genuinely good man. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he has that, you know, I wear the big belt buckle and the funky socks and, you know, I'm a little the charm and, the- and, the, and it's very charming. It's mm-hmm. not. A sad heartthrob. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the emo that he's just like. He's not is- proto Edward Cullen mm-hmm. on those shows. He's. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Was this the episode where um, Sarah and David ate all the garlic? They did that in several episodes. Okay, so the, the, the fandom mythology is that before these big love scenes, Sarah and David would eat smelly onions and garlic and try to like see who could gross each other out the most yeah. breath before they had to do. But when you're both eating garlic, it kind of cancels, it cancels each other out. Right, but, yeah. But I, I just think it was just one of those funny little stories that they, you know, both very professional actors, but they, they did like to mess around with the... Yeah, it was just they were goofballs together. I, I do movie. know yeah. that filming on this episode was halted for like half an hour because Sarah had to cry. She got really upset during, um, I think, the scene when Buffy was on her bed. 
and like just having her emotional breakdown that mm. it ended up bleeding into Sarah having an emotional breakdown. And that's happened a couple of times on set and that's fine. Sometimes yeah. actors access yeah. a place. And then I know that they had to reshoot the scene with Angel and Buffy back in his apartment. Yes. Originally that was on Buffy's front lawn. Yes. Right. That's why oh, there's wow. a little inconsistency when Buffy says, when I saw him at the house. Um, and right. Okay. Angel right. Does not live in his house. house. Yeah, yeah. I call my apartment a house, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, but yeah, I mean, she, and she, and Joss and his commentary, again, I read the transcript of the commentary. Mm-hmm. He talks about, he's like, Sarah blamed herself for that scene failing when it was on her front lawn. And then mm-hmm. she's like, when actuality was my failure, not that I told yeah. Sarah that. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. I'm just. Yeah, no, I mean, like, he was, he was right. It needed to be reshot because it needed to it be did. somewhere yeah. intimate. It needed to be at, you know, the quote unquote scene of the crime, which is, I believe he said those words. Oh, I, it, we're, we're on video chat and I can just see Logan's eyes just like burning. <laughs> I've got a knife, Whedon. So, um, we get into the scene at the school. Um, with uh, Xander and Willow mm. and Giles and Cordelia. Allison, for crying, it hurts me so much. Uh, Before we well, we have Willow, when we have Xander and Cordelia having their smoochies, Cordelia's nose crinkle right before she kisses Xander. It's like, it's such a small moment, but for some reason it impacted me. Where almost every time I write something, and somebody's about to kiss their nose crinkles, and it's because of fucking Charisma <laughs> Carpenter. It is a very adorable nose crinkle. I will, yeah, I will definitely, yeah. definitely. But yeah, I mean, like, Allie, oh, God, her face. <sighs> I have issues with Willow. I mean, I'm, I'm not actually, like, I love how Allison is acting. Oh, yeah. But I'm not crazy with what, Will- what Willow's doing, because I feel like she's pulling some nice girl bullshit. She is. Just. Yeah, and you know a lot of the theme of this, especially with the Calderash's vengeance, right? Willow is kind of fundamentally a vengeful person, right? She does things to yeah. get back at other things. It's like this was done to me, so I'm going to do it back. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's a reason why uh, later on she will get the offer to become a vengeance team in a couple of times. Oh well, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. She's got a dark spot too, and it's also like you know what? Just because he's not into you doesn't mean he can't be into somebody else. I mean, it's just like well, logically, you know. I mean, like what the whole thing is? She has that whole line, like her ending line before she huffs off dramatically. It's like, you would rather be with someone you hate than with me. And I'm like, Willow, have you ever made an actual move on Xander? No, never right. did. Or said something, right, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I get that it's very teenage, because it's very much like, what is it? Like, it, it is a very teenage yeah. Oh, yeah. thing to do. And I'm sure I did it when I was a teenager. I'm like, Oh, I did it all the time. I know I did. You know, yeah. I totally know I did it. Um, but like in but hindsight, mid thirties, I don't have time for this shit. Yeah, now I'm just huh? like, whatever. He doesn't like me back. Moving on. I mean, I would hope. Oh, that wasn't me indicating that I wanted to talk. It was me basically apologizing to my best friend from middle school and high school. I'm sorry <laughs> that I pulled that nice girl shit. You know, I'm I'm sorry to several different people that I pulled that nice girl sorry. shit on. So I'll just all publicly apologize for that bullshit. Yeah. Sorry, um, dude. I'm glad you're happily married now. Sorry, Dale. <laughs> Because I totally pulled that on really? the guy I'm marrying when when we were just friends, like 15 years before we got together. Sorry, honey. Uh, 
we're, we're past <laughs> it now. We're definitely past it now. I was the opposite. I would tell people and they would tell me they weren't into me. And then I would be like shattered because it was like I actually stood up for myself. But, but good for you know. for standing up for yourself. Yeah, yeah but I always got rejected. It. So it was like after a while I just yeah. shut up because it was like, well, nothing's yeah. going to happen anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it's manipulative behavior and. I know Willow is such a fan favorite, and I get it, but watching this all over again as an adult, like, those red flags and warning signs about how evil she's going to get are, are, I don't know if they were purposely planted, but they're there. They are definitely there. Well, I mean, I think the thing is, it's like, they make, they base evil Willow so much off of Willow's personality Mm -hmm. that they just take her weaknesses and then they amplify them so i think that's why we can see it as foreshadowing now but yeah i mean like she's she gets disgusted at the idea of xander and cordelia being together but by this point cordelia has been with the group for like half a year and cordelia it's not like it happened a year ago story time where she everybody did hate cordelia and she wasn't hanging out with them and she hadn't helped save them so yeah, yeah it's it's a disconnect there yeah and then i mean I love the scene with Oz later. Uh, mm. Or I love Oz in the scene. Oh, I do. With Jeez. Oz later. So great. But it Willow really tries a... to fucking use Oz. <laughs> yep. I know. And it's a testament to... And he like, knows it. Well... Yeah, exactly. That's how well he's written and how well they approached him. Um, and you see it again and again, especially when um, Willow tries to initiate sex. And he's like, I'm not ready. I want it to be mm. special with you. I-, I feel like Oz would totally be the kind of person who's like, let me teach you about consent. My fellow men. Like, I just, oh God, I love us. Oh, Oh, I know. I just, uh, like, Oz, I wrote in my notes, we need more Oz and Giles and less Xander and Joss. Um, Because both Oz and, (laughs) both Oz and Giles are great in the, and they really are talking about, like, Oz knows his boundaries and he's really good at setting them and he's really good at expressing what he wants. And because of his personality, he doesn't over talk it like Willow or myself tends to do. He just says, this is my boundary. This is what I have to say. Now I'm done saying it. You can respond. And yeah, I mean, Oz is, uh, sorry. He's like the best ever. The worst I he think... gets is when he expects Willow to have waited for him when he like wolves out a little bit uh, when he meets Tara. Like, I, I feel like yeah, that's Oz's there, worst moment. there's a little bit. But other than that, you know, Oz is just really shows himself to be in touch with his own emotions. He doesn't talk a lot, but when he does, yeah. he he seems to know himself uh, better than, yeah. you know, other teenagers, <laughs> other people. Well, I, I mean, Xander made a comment in the last episode about the economy of words. Mm-hmm. And Xander right. fucking ha- knows nothing about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Oz is the epitome of the economy of words. Mm-hmm. And he's also somebody, when he does say a lot, like, in the van scene, it's like the most romantic thing you ever heard, and they're perfect words, and I just want to be like, I love you, please, why can't I find a man like this, you yeah. know? Like, the whole, like, freeze frame thing, is like, oh my god, this is like the mo- I don't care about any other romance on this, this is what I want from romance, you know? Because it's so beautiful. And it, it's so heartfelt and special and perfect, and it's Oz. So, yeah, it, it's it's wonderful, and I love and I love it, and I love what they do with this character. And you know, they wrote this scene specifically so the audience would give Oz a chance. Okay, okay, we've skipped over a bunch of stuff. We did, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yeah, uh, we have the scene with Angel and Buffy 
in an angel's place. Okay, yeah. And I've already talked about that a little bit, where it's like, it's a heartbreaking scene, but really I'm not too keen on it, because Mm -hmm. I'm just, I feel like it was unnecessary. It's like, it's, it's... It's Joss grabbing us by the collar and punching us and going, this is what I mean. We get it. Yeah. 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 The scene in the school would have been sufficient. Yes. Yeah. I I think Sarah and David are incredible. Incredible. They are. They are. It's a great scene, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, it is. It's, It's more like, let's see how much we can punch Buffy in the gut emotionally over and over and over. Uh, Jenny's uncle. Why didn't he think of mentioning the the loophole in the curse fucking earlier? Been like, helpful. It was a big deal. David, would would you like to tackle the reason for that in the uncle's voice? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> please. Yes, please. You did I'm it so well a few minutes ago. We just want to hear you do it again. What? Oh, the the justice vengeance line. Yeah. Why? Why <laughs> is it that a uh, 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 Jenny's uncle never explained? This whole loophole in the curse, and we'd like you to explain it as if you were Jenny's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> no we, pressure. We we are the the Calderash. We 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 do not do things in an intelligent manner. We serve <laughs> vengeance, not logic. Training <laughs> <laughs> class. Thank Yay! you. Thank you. Thank you. David, you're amazing. I'm here only to tip your waitress. Yes. Try the veal. Well, don't. Um, Now call Boris Karloff a cocksucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of his death, uh, well, we didn't really speak of it, but that's about the time that they find him dead, right? About, yeah. Yeah. That's Um, the last time we see him before Angel comes in and that's the last time yeah, he talks okay. to anybody but Angel. <laughs> yeah. Or Angelus, okay, rather. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When we get there, I want to talk about the wall. <gasps> okay. Well, I mean, the, the next scene is um, Willow and Giles and Buffy in the, in the library. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, the biggest note I have... Oh, oh before that, we do have uh, David, uh, or Angelus, threatening Willow and everybody finding out about... Right. Mm-hmm. Did we skip the scene where Drew and Spike find out? We talked about it a little bit, okay. mostly just about how much, how good David is. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> but how excited Spike is. He's like, yeah, I'm thrilled about this. Oh, wait, what? Is he turned into Mr. Steel, your girl? I'm not about this life. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I thought it was really interesting looking at it, like how excited both Spike and Drusilla are. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not... and. I mean, like, even for most of this episode, Spike is, like, pretty, like, into it. Mm-hmm. And then it's yeah. not until, like, future episodes when, like, Spike realizes it's like, oh, wait, he's fucking my girl. <laughs> right, and yeah. I'm sorry, Spike, you don't want the actual world to end. You don't. You just want to do what Drusilla thinks is the thing that do at the minute. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. He'll, he'll, later in the season, he will say that. Explicitly. Yeah. No, he will. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of Spike is going going along with what Drusilla Oh, wants. yeah. Right now, it's so, totally like, yeah. oh, my, my girlfriend wants to do this. Cool. Let's let, let's destroy the world. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've also seen, like, the power dynamic of Spike and Drusilla change mm-hmm. dramatically. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, when Drusilla was weak and Spike was strong, 
Drusilla was still the one in charge because Absolutely. she just had him by the short and curlies. Mm-hmm. She was she was totally like topping from the bottom. I was about yeah. to say and, the exact same thing. <laughs> and then the position entire entirely changes because now she is the one who's strong and he is the one who is weak, and we just see how much she has always been in control. You know what? And is it again, I can't help but do the sex and punishment thing that we that I've, I've just been harping on this whole episode. We do see a relationship that is obviously sexual in nature, in, it implied at least explicitly, between Drusilla and Spike, and to some extent between Drew and Angelus. Mm-hmm. But do we only see things like that, except for, you know, we get season four and like the weird ghost fucking that happens. But, um,. <laughs> Not literal. They were like the house was business or whatever. Um, but um, up until this point, the the only time we see that is with vampires, the like bad people. Yeah, which hmm. I think is yeah interesting. Interesting. That's really interesting. I don't know what it means, y'all. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to talk out my ass. Hmm? No, you so. you're talking no, no, too that's... much from your front. <laughs> and making, <laughs> you're making a lot of salient points. Tight. Out of your mouth, not the others. Out of my mouth. Out of your mm-hmm. mouth. <laughs> Which kind of leads me to the the was it good for you to what what was painted on the wall. That's that's kind of traumatic and it lends a I mean, I understand that that's what Angelus does, but it he makes it so tawdry and dirty. Yeah. I know. I hate that. I hate that. And it's so it's sexual violence. You know, yeah, this, yeah. and I get that Angelus, you know, is is bad, and he likes to do. I mean, look what he did to Drew. I mean, he's just yeah. terrible. But it to watch it yeah, go down is really well. They make it very clear that he's essentially now doing to Buffy what he did to Drew. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Angelus's history, going into like the flashbacks that you see on Angel primarily. Angelus is a sexual predator. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because he essentially rapes Drusilla into insanity and then turns her into a vampire. And you actually do see the killing of the Calderash girl on that show. And while they don't show it explicitly, they do see, they do show that he bites her thigh to, to kill her. That's I haven't seen that, so, yeah. And it's interesting that he he's so coded as, uh, Angelus specifically, is so coded as a sexual predator, as a rapist, that it, it's really interesting that ultimately the one attempted rape we see on the show is not perpetrated by him. Yeah, it's not the one. There's definitely another one, but it's not happening. Oh, to oh yeah. Um, what's yeah. his face who assaults her in the car and she knocks the shit out of him, too? I actually, I, I actually have a list. I do too, and a lot of it happens to men. Like, yes, yeah. Well, I'm talking attempted rape. We've established that Xander's first sexual experience is sexual assault. Yeah. Okay, yeah. several times. Well, but but yeah, no. I'm just, I just find it, I man. They just they spent more time creating Angelus as a character than they ever bothered to do with Angel in the show. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Me out. Yeah, yeah. Angel, honestly, Angel in his time on Buffy, is really just straight-jacketed into this... Yeah. He's a plot device more than anything he else. Is. He really is. They he don't is. really let him have a character unless he's Angelus. 
Yeah. Or until he he gets his own show. Yeah. When he gets his own show. Which is interesting. Watching. It is a reverse of the man pain trope. Because all Angel is is there is to bring Buffy the man pain. You know the yeah. term man pain. Meaning, like, you kill yes. someone yeah. to give the, 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 the hero, usually a man, some Purpose. reason to do something. And actually... They do reverse the trope, and all Angel is there is to bring Buffy the Lady Pain, um, <laughs> and motivate a lot of her actions. When when they kill Angel at the end of the season, they they basically fridge him, except they bring him back mm-hmm. immediately. Like, immediately, yeah. yes. And he lands right on top of that ring, and I'm like, that's embedded in his body. <laughs> that's somewhere inside him. <laughs> Uh, also, beside the point, <laughs> we did skip a, like m- one of my favorite Willow moments of actually probably the entire show when Willow, what Giles is talking, 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 and Willow has figured out like what has gone on with Buffy, and she goes, "Giles, shut up." Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. she is such an incredible friend. Um, Again, it's that characterization. Obviously, Joss does a good job because he's he's created these characters. But um, that those little moments that show you the kind of friend Willow is and how perceptive she can be, is, mm-hmm. I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that when she says it, Giles, you you see Giles's face go. Oh, he immediately figures and, out. Oh, yeah. But again, and we'll get to that final scene in the car soon. But like, yeah, he gets it, but he doesn't look look like. Sort disapproving. Of disapproving yeah. about it. He just yeah. realizes, oh my god, I should have caught that. You know. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, uh, we've got the scene at the military base. I have a question. Yes. So Sunnydale has a military base. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Is this what spawn? Are you- <laughs> Sunnydale military base? Yeah. It has everything. Um, well, la- last does. episode, I was wondering, is like they said, let's we have to check the airports. I'm like. They have an airport. They have an airport. They have airports. They have a They have a military what? base. They have a beach. Like Sunnydale is several cities smashed together. It really but is. my question is: Is this what spawns the initiative? I was actually just going to ask Ooh. that myself. Good question. Is Riley Finn there? Could be. Okay, that that whole scene. Um, I just have notes here because it really the way that Cordelia is treated here and the whole we can't tell you or you won't want to do it and oh, oh my God. wear something trashier. I just feel like that's like slut shaming her and like oh, yeah. treating her 100%. so badly for no fucking reason. I got really angry. I mean, again, again, it's Xander. So why am I surprised? I'm not. It seems like Xander's being reactionary towards the incident with Willow. Yeah, right. Mm. And it, I mean, it sucks. Saying it sucks. like dress, yeah. wear something trashier. She looks. She wasn't stunning. even wearing anything. I know she, uh, Cordy, and I like a button-down blouse and a, sh- a, a skirt. Why is this trashy? I mean, should she, she wear a preppy? Burka? Oh yeah, Cordelia is super preppy. She has yeah. like a little scarf around yeah, her. No. I mean, in no, general, a sweater tied around her shoulders. I mean, dress trashy all you want. I used to love a good trash dress, and I didn't. Well, not here, but she was not wearing anything <laughs> remotely trashy. But there. Cordelia's clothing is the clothing of all this '90s stuff. That's the most classic because a lot of stuff yeah. you, you see on Cordy you could see 10 years earlier or t- 10 years later or you could see it now yeah it's it's yeah. american prep classic you know it's j yeah. crew shit you know so yeah. right so i was like what the you know dress trasher what i 
I, yeah, and then just the whole thing, I can't tell you because you won't do it. Why don't you freaking talk to this woman and ask her? Why, why don't you why give her the agency it? to make up her own fucking mind? This right, woman exactly. that you are trying to get to go out with you. That's why she won't date you, Xander. Fuck. Because you're an immature asshole. I mean, yeah. just, that really, really bugged me because it was like, why, and, and there's nothing that he does that's that terrible. It's not like he's like, oh, do a striptease. It's not like True Lies or some shit like yeah. that. He's like, he wants her to make out with her, him and pretend and be like, ooh, look, like big, you know, big shiny guns. I'm so horny. I mean, like, why is this so It's not even like yeah. he's like implying to the soldier that Cordelia is a prostitute or something. Right. It's just like, I have a girl and I want to impress her because she's going to get all turned on if she sees the big guy. Yeah. So why is this, why would she object to it? I, I, okay. Well, I mean, Xander keeping the military memories, so many fanfics were born from I, that. I right. actually kind of love that they decided to keep that. And partially because it's useful. You can have a Xander ex machina for stuff. But I don't know. I always thought it was really c- just clever in terms of writing that they can. Yeah, write. that part of it is great. It's just, and, and I like the fact that he's he got plans. You know, he, he's actually doing something. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, this plan is phenomenal. Like, it really is. I love this plan so much. And I like and that it, surprised I like the that shit it came from Xander. I like that it is, like, you're not expecting it. Like, seriously, like, I did not see this coming. Oh, like, I didn't either. Yeah. And I, I love each of the characters in has their specific strength that's played to within the planning of this. Yeah. Even Oz's strength of having a van. You know? Not only does Oz have a van, but also he's the one who figures out where they've gone. Yes. Yep. If I'm going to line up to get slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody's straight. I will get, yeah, this, this episode is incredible for that, that end mall piece because everybody really, like they go in like an army. They do. They this is in. everybody is working together. Yeah, it's great group dynamics. Yeah, because everybody is like working together, which yeah. I think is why I'm so mad about the Cordelia thing because they're not allowing her to be a part of what they're like again with agencies. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, during this whole thing, we actually do have a little scene between Xander and Cordelia where they're talking about sex. And linoleum. And, you know, <laughs> okay, the linoleum <laughs> line is so problematic, but it's really funny. Yeah, but it is problematic in that Joss does seem to have, like, this really immature idea of sex and the way people, men, women, look at sex differently and that men should not be shamed with looking at sex like this all the time. But, you know, we've already talked about that a lot. You know, let's t- let's gush more about Oz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we do have the scene, scene. Again, excuse me while I swoon. <laughs> I'll, I'll swoon, um, like, constantly. Uh, yeah. Just the 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 setup of the mall scene the badass basically walking in slow motion away from the fire bit as they just like cut, like walk into the mall um and it, it's two armies coming together and i think that's really that looks really mm. good but the humor of that scene is it's brian thompson right yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, what's that, that line is i give him so much credit for his delivery so he doesn't have a lot of lines in this episode so but his great. delivery is just brilliant it is so good. Like wh- so funny. when when Angel Angela says, "Yeah, you look real spiffy," and he just goes, "Spiffy." spiffy. And, and then <laughs> just like right before he gets the the rocket launcher, it's just like, "How does that work?" So what's, what's that, that thing? Yeah, like, what's that do? Just, just like, his delivery of those lines is just Buffy with a rocket launcher is my aesthetic 
It's my mood, my goal forever. It's iconic. It is 100% one of the most that iconic jacket. images oh. from this show. Yeah. Is mm. Especially the way they framed it and the way they, the, like the sort of, um, I don't know if blocking is the right word, but um, how they have her. It's she is up. She has got like her legs in a power stance. She is the, just the Scoobies are supporting her. Yeah, They're literally, like they almost look like a pyramid base. They're handing this piece of equipment up to her. It just looked really, really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he did a good job directing. Yeah, and I actually like the scene yeah. before when they're still in the library, and mm-hmm. they, you know. You open because they keep the reveal. They do a really good job of keeping the yeah. reveal of what it is from the audience. So they're yeah. talking over. You know, she opens the package. She's like Xander, that's great. And Gile, you know, Giles is like, you know, yeah. I mean, it, most of this is Xander's plan, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like Xander, Buffy then takes over Comes that to- and becomes the general of it because that's what Buffy mm-hmm. yes does with you know Giles being sort of point and. But this is Xander's plan. Well, Xander's mm-hmm. the Ron. In this, he's got the... I keep bringing this back to, to Harry Potter That's over these last few episodes. And it's I, always he's fun. He's the strategy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is... Uh, okay, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. This rocket launcher turns up again in the episode Him in season yes, seven. So that's five seasons from... Five years from now. Where, Where is Buffy going to keep up rocket launcher? <laughs> You'd assume the basement, right? But full copper repipe, that thing got soaked. Do they do yeah. well in water? I don't know anything about rocket launchers. Mm. <laughs> I don't either. Also, she I'd, under a bed? I'd be a bit worried about having a rocket launcher in my house. <laughs> Does Giles have like a secret stash or like a, like a, do they have like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Armory? Storage locker? Storage locker. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> like a st- like John Winchester on Supernatural. Could you fucking has- imagine if they just didn't pay it and they wound up being on like Storage Wars? Storage Wars. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to both of that them. them. It okay, could be we've like got the, a box the, here. We got a rocket the locker, locker and, uh... and the Supernatural locker. End up on someone needs to write that fanfic about them not paying. Like uh, we got a box of. Uh, Crossbow quarrels here? Uh, Steel-tipped ones? What? We have some kind of Mayan idol that might possibly burn your eyes out. And, like, that. I would love that. Someone do that. That actually rocks. Somebody needs to write that. If you're listening. Willow and Taro's cat gets killed by a crossbow. And it's like, I don't want to think about that rocket launcher being in their house. Truth. Yeah. Truth you don't need truth. a rocket launcher around a 14 Especially after Buffy's dead. Between season five and season mm. six. If it makes you feel any better, it looks like that thing has to actually be armed before it becomes active. Yeah, because she actually goes through a whole... She goes through a process where she, like, turns it on and it revs up. So it wouldn't probably just go off. (laughs) Does it... Does that mean that it came with, like, extra ammo? Or did she have to re-break into the military base, steal a shell, and then try and... I'm thinking Murder. maybe Xander took a couple, just, you know, yeah. in he case. He probably took some shells. And I maybe wouldn't be maybe... surprised, given the size of the crate that it's stored in, that there might be a few shells. So uh, we get into the final fight between Buffy and Angelus. Can I just say, can I just say that those quests for Camelot posters have been bugging the shit out of me since 1998. <laughs> because <laughs> um, <laughs> they're just so distracting what I really like about the culmination of this fight 
is that line, give me time. Mm-hmm. I think that is a, is sums up a lot of Buffy's character and mm. the necessity she, the, just the necessity of her to, to shut off parts of herself. Um, and you see it, the things she's willing to do later, mm-hmm. um, you know, at one point to sacrifice herself and other points to sacrifice other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much, when you're in a kind of position that she's in, what the toll it takes to close off parts of yourself. And it's astounding and sad that a 17 year old would know this about herself mm-hmm. and know this about her path. Yeah. Uh, it's so sad. If you think about what happens down the road, um, yep. we have Teresa in the next episode and, um, Jenny in, I believe, the episode after that. Buffy had the chance to save their lives. And a lot of people are killed because of Buffy not being able to handle it. And I think actually through this experience, we are going to get the hardening of Buffy that comes later. And when we have the sacrifice, when Buffy sacrifices herself in the gift, I believe it's in season seven giles brings it up again where he's like if you had to make that same choice again you'd let her die she will yeah and so i think actually like just like a few months down the road if buffy had had, uh could make the same choice again she would have killed Mm -hmm. angelus because she's still holding on to the hope that he can become angel again which obviously he can but at such a huge cost. Right. Yeah. I was thinking also, just because I, knowing hmm. myself at that time, I think I was thinking Buffy's like not rageful enough. And if it would have been me, I could have killed him. I mean, obviously I'm not a slayer, but because I was that kind of rage. When somebody crossed me, if somebody hurt me that badly, I wouldn't hold back. I would just have been just like, that's it, you know. So in a way, her restraint of not being able to, I mean, part of it is the... the romantic trope of oh i love him i can't i I can't actually hurt him despite what he's done to me Mm -hmm. but i it would have been kind of cool if she had just been like you know i I, again uh, buffy is my character that i think i i uh relate to the most out of every character on this show and i i totally get i totally get where she's coming from and why she couldn't do it and i also get how much guilt she must feel you know, first of all, there's the layer of, and Giles tries to tell her, no, this is not your fault. But the the fact that she had sex with Angel that started mm-hmm. this whole bullshit and then she wasn't able to kill him and then you lose Jenny and like that is so much for a 17 year old. And the whole fact that her first sexual experience that she chose and it was a consensual sex mm-hmm. act led to so much. I mean, and I think young women and girls go through this. This is where I think the metaphor stands is that Mm -hmm. I know young girls. I know what I felt like at that age about the guilt and the shame that came out of having sex, Mm -hmm. you know, becoming intimate, um, how, how you couldn't tell people how, you know what I mean? Like, and then what Angel did as a sexual predator is is mm-hmm. with the whole was it good for you? You know, this is horrible violence he perpetrates on her leads to Buffy psychologically just being like 
I mean, and she's going to say it in later seasons, like, why can't I make a relationship work? Why can't I? And all it does, and I, and I hear it from people my age, from people younger, from, you know, feminist blog, you know, about how much shame and damage that does to young women. Mm -hmm. And I think the show does through the course of the next, you know, five seasons, it, it shows the repercussions of that pretty, pretty well. Something that was actually changed from this episode. Um, originally, Jenny was supposed to die rather than her uncle. Um, oh. Which, yeah, uh, the in the original outline for season two, Jenny was going to die in this episode and Oz was going to die in Passion. Oh! I know, right? I, I know! Logan's just pulling like this face and I'm like, uh, they really, <laughs> this horrified face and I'm like, yes, that's... The most horrific thing. I, I mean, know. if that outline was made when they were still breaking the season, I I guess I get it. But I I think mm -hmm. it's much like the James Marsters thing. Mm -hmm. Like from his first scene, like the plan to kill him just went out the window. And I yeah, think... they real they realized they really liked Seth. You know, I, I read somewhere also that originally they were, had actually planned on killing Spike in this episode. That Angel or Angelus was supposed to kill him off, and he was going to hook up with Drew. Yeah, um, which honestly would have made sense i mean yeah. like the one of the things yeah. about um them not killing jenny like just from a story standpoint i would be a lot less forgiving of buffy doing the whole give me time thing if jenny had died yeah because i mean she doesn't really know the uncle there's like there's there's no connection but yeah but yeah. then jenny at that point yeah i exactly and i think if it had been jenny that would have inspired something in her yeah because um, they're still mad at Jenny at this point for keeping mm -hmm. these things from them. But not only does she know Jenny on a personal level, she, and I'm sure she cares about her, but she cares about Giles. Yes. And she sees the happiness that Jenny brings yeah. to him. Yeah, well, um, um, she, we will get into that with passion when she yeah. says, like, I'm still mad at you, but he misses you. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think the episode closes on something that really, it, the line's a little melodramatic the let it burn line but um i think it's it's along the same it's the same sentiment overall it's, yeah. well we um, have um giles and uh buffy's scene in the car i think Wait, this that's is right one that's of right. my God, very favorite scene. scenes of any episode of buffy in the entire 144 episodes of buffy this is one of the ones where i i just i love it i, I it's one of my favorites this is giles being peak dad yeah 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> Peak dad Giles, yeah. That I mean, there yeah, he he has several of these moments throughout the series, but um, it's just oh man, he's he's such a good dad. And I, I I think it was meant maybe Joss meant it as some kind of redemption of his badly done trope to have Giles say, you know, do you want me to shame you? Do you want me to tell you you did something rash? You did, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going to sit here and shame you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to do the you had sex and sex is wrong lecture. Because also, you know, what we know about Giles's character is he was pretty fucked up teen and like young adult himself. You know, him and Ethan were going at it like constantly. <laughs> <laughs> totally was happening. It, it happened. That's how that works, right? It happened. But... They were probably shagging demons too. I mean, you know, you know who knows what they got up to. They were what, whatever they were doing, but like... Yeah. For him to say, and I don't think it gets through to Buffy. I think she holds a lot. Yeah. I mean, being her the job, her sailor is her job and, you know, or her calling. But, mm -hmm. oh God, Jaws and, Giles and Oz are like, 
I love them. <laughs> and again, like I said, hashtag we, male goals, yeah. right? Like that's how that's how you do it, men. You know, you do it like your Oz and your Giles and your David, because David's a good dude. But yeah. you don't do it like Xander, and you don't do it like you know, Joss, like um, or Angelus, or yeah, yeah. That you, this or is like how you Spike, do it. because I know a lot of people romanticize Spike, but Spike is bad. Spike, Spike is, is just stupid. Spike <laughs> is bad. I I know. I we'll get into that more when we get to, yeah, yeah. Seasons four and five. Mm. Um, and forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Also, uh, I, 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 uh, Spike I know, is kind I of to me like the I'm the nice guy. I'm the nice guy. Why won't she love me? That bitch. That whore. Um. So he's he's a living embodiment of that current yeah. trope. You he know, kind of is. I uh, yeah. really love him, but you know, we'll get there. But that's yeah, I a just... whole other episode. So with this one, yeah, Giles has that beautiful speech, and then at the very end, we have Buffy with Joyce, and she's just going to let her candle burn. Yes. wearing very comfortable looking socks. Mm. Yes, I mean, yeah. isn't that supposed that, that? If I was a parent, I'd be like, "That is such a red flag. What is happening with you, child?" Well, it's Joyce. It's, yeah, Joyce. it's Joyce. Yeah, she is a little bit clueless because I was like, "Aren't you going to ask why she's so depressed on her birthday and stuff?" But it's she's Joyce. Seventeen. Yeah. 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 Actually, there's um, there's an interesting connection between the last episode and this episode that I think would be easy to miss if. You didn't watch them sort of back to back like I did when we were preparing this. When Buffy comes home from Angels, Joyce has this is like, well, you look kind of, I don't know. And then at the end of this episode, when she says, you know, 17 being different, she's like, well, you don't look any different to me. Huh. Let it burn. That's an interesting line that we hear again in a song Let once more with Philly. True. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Clearly, I just that <laughs> no, really. but it's okay. interesting because that, that's also another not trope, but one of those things that you see in a lot of teen shows, teen fiction is the person wondering if they were going to look different or seem different after, after they've sex. had sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Nope. And then Joyce. Let's, jo- let's once just you, abuse that notion right now. Joyce. Yeah, you don't. You don't, like, grow a big neon sign that said, I had sex. You don't. Well, unless you're, like, a, you know, walking around an orgasmic glow and, like, you know. Well, you know. Okay, but let's be real. Who actually orgasms the first time they have sex? Yeah, when a teenager <laughs> actually has good orgasmic sex the first time right. out. It, it's not something that happens. Ever. Um, so, I, I think we're at uh, final thoughts for this episode. Um, a, a little bit of trivia for it. Um, the, this is the favorite episode of Joss, Christine Sutherland, and the casting director, Marcia Shulman. Hmm. Oh. That's actually about all I have for... Did we have music? I think we forgot music there notes on no the last There was no music in one. this one. Other than the music at the very yeah. end with mm. the, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is the yeah. Uh, musical. I think my only other thought is... I, I keep thinking that maybe the titles of this episode, the last one, should have been switched. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like the reason they did that um, is... I definitely see where you're coming mm-hmm. from. Uh, Angelus's reappearance is definitely a fucking surprise. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Buffy is... A part of her innocence, you know, she's mm-hmm. she's doing her best, but it's it's waning, it's shattered here, mm-hmm. and I think that's intentionally and with like precision. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably why they did that. When it yeah. comes to surprise, I mean, 
Surprise! I Thanks, also Marty. feel like if they had called the last episode Innocence, everybody'd be like, oh, that's the episode where they gotta fuck. <laughs> but didn't yeah, everyone know that already anyway? Well, because it was really early days of the internet, so the episode titles didn't mm. really get out. Like all That's that true, much. yeah. 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 Oh, oh they gonna fuck. Oh, they gonna fuck. <laughs> I, I, this week's really episode, fun. they gonna fuck. <laughs> I, 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 these two episodes you... <laughs> on a very special episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer they gonna fuck they gonna fuck I'm pretty sure that was the advertisement for the episode smashed <laughs> yeah it kinda was oh it my really god was. I think it was Buffy and Spike they gonna fuck um we'll do some home renovations while they're at yes. it here here be boning it's <laughs> um so these two episodes, I, I, I see them for the game changers they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I absolutely do. And in terms of Buffy lore, mythology, the whole whatever nine yards, nine yards of what I don't know. Um, but at the time, I loved them, and I think these are two that I watched the most mm-hmm. for a really long time. But I don't know if these rate as two of my favorite episodes anymore. Hmm. I, I think they I rate as things I always rewatch, but I don't know in terms of actual ones for me that emotionally resonate still. I don't know if these are still on my top. They might be in the top 15, but they may not be in my top 10 anymore. I still really like them a lot. I was thinking that while I was watching them again last night, it was like if I was trying to get somebody into the show, these are the two that I'm, even though <gasps> oh, there's a sure. lot of spoilers. This yeah. is one of those like, yeah, sit down and watch this. You'll at least get the characters. You'll get the feel for the show. This is what Buffy quintessentially is about uh-huh, as a absolutely. character show and, and everything and the way that it goes. So I, I still really like them, but I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like maybe they're not my top in terms of the mm-hmm. over narrative or, oh my God, this is like amazing television but i actually on our website on our about us when we have our favorite episodes this one is listed as my favorite and it took me a long time to come up with which episode was going to be my favorite and it primarily is because this is such peak buffy because this episode is so iconic to the show and it's got us it's got spike and drew and it's just got jenny it's just there's there's so much going for this episode that this one yeah i I, while there's a lot of stuff i have problems with this one i think is just so it's got everything i want in it i I, you know i absolutely totally i i agree again it's used to be right up there and i I don't know what it is maybe it's just that i watched it too many times Mm -hmm. that can happen and other episodes i haven't watched as many times and so i mean i've watched all the episodes at least like 10 times through each but i probably watched this more like 17 or 18 times through i'm Just a nerd leave me alone don't make that faces at me i see you. i, I was gonna no, say i think the I've face was i was surprised wait it was so you're low. a nerd why I'm the heck are we talking to you oh my god go away there. nerd who wants okay. to hang out with nerds <laughs> so i believe if we've all said that what we have to say yeah um yeah then uh Next week, we'll um, have a really fucking good time <laughs> yeah, going, you know, gushing about Oz because we're reviewing one of his few episodes. Wait, you, you guys spaces. like Oz? No. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> How'd you pick up on that, David? Just, just, just You're so that, observant. That flew right by me. I'm just so thirsty we'll let you know for next week. Cream. 
Yeah. We'll let you know that we are thirsty um, for Oz. The thirst is real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the heart is too. Um, so we'll be reviewing phases. And until then, grr, arg. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our shows at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. See you on Tuesday for Phases. Grr. Arg.